What is up for realers? Coming to you from LA. This is for real. For real. So I'm Greg. I'm Tyler. And we're coming to you here and we have an action-packed episode for you today. This is episode number eight. Tyler, are you excited? I'm very excited. Super excited. We're gonna we're, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be action-packed. This is our review episode. The summer is over, the barbecues are done. We're going into our new season. How did everybody fare? How did everybody fare? In our hits and whiffs segment, guys, and know that we do this every week. Before we get to hits and whiffs, I just want to make a great big shout out to the person that makes this happen for us every single week, that gives her time to us. I want to give a shout out to our, our editor, Wendy. Wendy, big shout out to you. Thank you so much for the, all the work that you've been doing. You are fantastic. We appreciate you. Continue to do that work. Let's get started into the into the episode. Tyler, give us off with the hits and whiffs this week. So uh, last week we saw a release of two movies, Ready or Not and Angel Has Fallen. So let's start with Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Box Office Pro didn't put in the effort. Mm -mm. <laughs> Box, um, Box Office Pro didn't care. I had it at 5.7. I had it at five point six. Just, oh, my, just my my super petty. <laughs> um, if if you remember from last week, I did say that I had it like in my heart six six point five. Mm -hmm. I did have it at six and a half, but just to be petty to Greg, uh, I went basically point one million over what he thought. Ready or not, ended up grossing eight million. Great job. Yeah, yeah that's good, good <laughs> job already or not. I I didn't expect it obviously to do that well, but. You know, the, I was saying great job to the to the movie itself. Yeah, like, yeah, overperforming absolutely. Kind of what what the expectations were. The reviews were great. The movie itself was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with it, and I'm glad that everybody else took the time to go see it. Now, I just have this question for you, Tyler. I I know that initially when I looked at the poster, before I even checked up on the film, I honestly thought that it was. Um, you're going to say Emma Stone? I wasn't going to say Emma Stone. Uh, Margot Robbie? I thought it was Margot Robbie. Yeah. I even I even sat in the theater when, when I was watching the trailer. I was like, looks like Margot Robbie. I even, you know, I nudged over. I was like, looks like Margot Robbie. <laughs> it was so Margot wait, wait. Did, did it look like Margot Robbie? It, it wasn't Margot Robbie. <laughs> so Margot lookalike. But I, do you think that that probably promoted it a little bit more when people <laughs> well, got the, the misconception of who they thought was in the yeah, movie? Yeah, you know, like they got to the movie theater. Not, like, not the concept <laughs> or the fact that, you know, it kind of took a genre and stood it on its head. It was like, oh, that must be Margot Robbie. Gotta I gotta Margot, go see I gotta it. watch it because yeah, it's Margot yeah, Robbie. That, it had nothing to do with the movie. I, defi I definitely had more of a hunger to go watch it. I didn't watch it, by the way. I did not watch it yet. <laughs> so so, so you, it, it wasn't a hunger. It was more of like a, 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 a little... A little tiny belly rumble. I, I thought rumble. when when I thought it was Margot Robbie, I def, I was like, I'm gonna go watch this film. When I found out it wasn't Margot Robbie, I, I actually lost a little hunger for the. I was like, oh, man, I'm That's disappointing. It's disappointing. <laughs> it is, I'm, uh, I'm disappointed in you. Uh, you should. You're, you're in timeout. You should. I'm I'm gonna go there. Next on the hits and whips. <laughs> uh, we have Angels Fallen. Box Office Pro did put a, a little bit of effort on this one. There you go. It gave us a range of 14 to 20 million. I believed that it would make 10. I thought that it was not going to make any money based off of uh, London Has Fallen. 
Greg, what did you have on it? I had $15 million on this film. Well, the joke's on us. The joke is on us because Angel Has Fallen did not fall at all. Did a lot better than most people expected. I think the box office pro actually got this one the most right, even though that they're using... A range. A range. <laughs> it's the gray area. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was still wouldn't give it to him. Congratulations to the whole team on Angel Has Fallen. This, Ma- this oh, it made twenty one million. Yeah, we, we we didn't actually say that. I don't think I, I did. Oh, you I, did. Yeah, I did. Okay. I did. I, did. I, I said Angel Has Fallen made twenty one million. Box Office Pro had forty. Which, 40, which 40, is 25. that twenty one million is I think like point three million away what from what London Has Fallen made. Correct. Yeah, I just thought there was no interest left in this franchise, and, and they brought I was it back. Wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. They brought it back really well. So congratulations to all the hardworking people on that film. This has been this is a big win for you guys this week and should be big going forward. We'll see how long it lasts in the theaters. Yeah. Should be a good run. Yeah. Should be a good run. So that brings us to our news reel section. We've got news for you. A little bit more of an update on the uh, the Sony Marvel split that we talked about last week kevin feige and tom holland have both addressed spider-man's exit at least from disney's mcu correct kevin feige seemed to think that it was inevitable tom holland is noticeably upset and bummed he doesn't get to play with his friends anymore correct but wouldn't you be upset if if we weren't able to come in and do this podcast anymore like wouldn't you be like so upset that that you wouldn't be able to spend the full hour with me or more than we spend more than an hour, we come in here and we argue for <laughs> for a while before we even get started. But it would be a bummer if if you, if someone was to say, "Let's split you guys up," which they did honestly in, in the place where we worked. You, you know, it, it was a bummer. It was a bummer. Now we just you know we made something happen. But I I definitely feel it for for Tom in this situation more than anybody else. Kevin Feige definitely seems like he had this plan. It was it was a contingency plan. Honestly, we would love to have the Spider-Man in in the MCU, but I think that Kevin Feige is smart enough to know that when you don't own something, you have less control over it. So, Kevin Feige was the grown-up in this situation. Not saying that Tom Holland dealt with it badly or poorly, but he was definitely well. They think about how awkward it was for him. He showed up at D twenty three. Correct. And like that that was a few days after this announcement happened he still showed up at d23 mm-hmm. and it was a whole thing and no. yeah no it's i full i fully get it from the perspective of of tom holland and if i were him i would have handled it poorly i would have handled it poorly tom holland handled it like a gentleman i think that he came in he addressed the fans he was not snubbing or snobbing to the fans or even to to sony he, he he's gonna be on the next project that they have them on in that new portion of the universe it's just really unfortunate because I'm actually I'm actually more upset with Sony than, than even these two guys are because and I think that a lot of fans probably don't see it that way a lot of fans are probably putting the blame on Disney for applying the pressure I don't think so if we go back into into Sony's history with with Spider-Man in general, it was on a downturn before Disney asked for 5% of the total grosses on the property and now they want 50. It makes sense. Business-wise, it makes sense to me. Well, I uh, 
Do you disagree I, with me, Tyler? I do a little bit, but we can talk about that later. Uh, sure. it, it does. It does. It does kind of come up in what we're going to talk about. It does. It uh, does. Later, later in the show. So I don't want to 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 take away from that. Just because I, I actually I'm very excited to talk about the winners and losers of the summer. So. Oof. Next thing, we have the accidental trailer drop of El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Correct. That happened on Netflix. Netflix said that it got released ac- on accident mm-hmm. and it has since been removed, but you can find it online. And for those listeners that can't see Tyler, he was definitely doing the air quotes <laughs> for accidentally dropping that the El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. I honestly, I in in the age of how movies are now where everything is everyone wants pictures of behind the scenes they want to know about the movie before it comes out Mm -hmm. i think it's fantastic that this movie actually got made without people realizing it this was a huge surprise people did not know that this was coming that's that is true and i mean kudos kudos to them they made this movie that people have been wanting for a long time fans of the show have been wanting for a long time and did it in secret and it's coming out in what two months about a month yeah. and a half something comes like out that. on october 11th 2019 so it comes yeah, out so about a month and a half right so that is the expectation for for this film i didn't know what to make of it when i saw it i i haven't seen breaking bad for probably about a year and a half now and, I, and i'm only a couple seasons in before i before life got in the way so. yeah <laughs> i mean the, the the show's great it obviously left on a on a high note correct and uh i i mean again netflix trying to uh netflix is fighting the battle fighting the war it's kind of strange that netflix is going to war with one of the biggest movie distributors in the world well, not not just in the big six here, but like in the world. They're trying to keep themselves in the game that they themselves started. Correct. So I I get it. I get it. I do as well. But it's amazing to me that they're going to such lengths. When when you see a lot of the the releases, we were watching trailers before we got into the episode, and Netflix Netflix is I applaud them for it. I'm just. I think that what is striking to me is that they have not backed down. That that's that's the piece that I'm I'm more impressed by. They haven't backed down from the giant. They're David in this situation for sure. Even though it was an industry that they own, you're looking at you're looking at a uh, a company as huge as Disney that's going to war with them. Disney swallowed another big six. That's how big it is. Yeah. And Netflix is not backing down. They're going to war with them. So I'm on their side, honestly. I kind of like this <laughs> for, for them. And I'm, I'm not emotionally tied to either one of them, but it's, I can't wait to see what the next 18 months is going to look like. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. That it, is for sure. It definitely for is. For real. For real. So, guys. Speaking of trailers, before we jump into our main segment... Do it. Uh, very short sizzle reel we could talk about, as Greg mentioned, some of the Netflix trailers for The King, The mm-hmm. Laundromat. Mm-hmm. Amazon released uh, the trailer for The Report. Right. All of those look fantastic, and I'm very interested to see how they play into the Oscar race. The big trailer that released right before we started recording was the new Joker trailer. Oof. Does it change your opinion of the film at all? It does not. It does not. I still don't know 
I'm worried about the integrity of the character. Now, I'm the biggest advocate for telling the same story a million different ways. And it seems like this is one that they're gonna, they're definitely gonna morph and mold the Joker character. It's, it's not even, it doesn't even feel like a backstory movie. It, well, for, the, for me, for the, me. The, well, obviously they're not sticking to any canon. This is an original property. This mm -hmm. is a, the, this is its own, almost kind of like one shot. Right. And um, at least for me, I, I don't. I think the thing that made the Joker terrifying is that he didn't have a backstory, mm -hmm. or his backstory was there, but it was either inconsistent or incomplete or there was always just a air of mystery around the character and I think this movie takes that away mm -hmm. and I think weirdly they're going to try to make it sympathetic Yeah, and I don't know that that's what the character needs I also don't know who really wanted this movie and I know I didn't want it or at least if I wanted it, I wanted to see... You know what would make this movie actually really cool? If this was all a hallucination. And we still don't know exactly what happened to him and how he was. Because this for... And, and it is it is tricky with Warner Brothers that they're developing this at the same time that they're trying to develop their superhero universe. Their DC universe. Their DCU. Right? This movie then drops in the middle of that, even though it's not connected. It's weird. It's a, it's a weird interjection into the space in which they're trying to create right now. And with Wonder Woman coming up next year, and you have... Did The Flash get pushed back? Mm -hmm. I think that The Flash got pushed back. They're trying to do an, another, they're trying to do another uh, Justice League movie. It feels like an offset, or it feels, this feels as though, this type of film makes me feel as though Warner Brothers doesn't have a plan. And that's, for me, looking at it overall, that's how it feels. Huh. I think that they have a plan, but I think it all had to come together quickly, and they had to change a lot on the fly because they were always playing catch-up. Yeah, but then my advice, and this is my advice to everyone, don't play catch up. Have your plan. Deliver the plan. I know that you're going into competition with this person and they're, they're trying to adjust, but they're trying to adjust to be just like. That's kind of like football reference. Other teams trying to be like the Patriots. Don't be like the Patriots. The Patriots have their system. They have had their system for the past 20 years. <laughs> Similar <laughs> <laughs> Similarly to Disney, back when they acquired Iron Man, they put this phase-by-phase phase that They're still not done. That's the thing. They're not done yet. But they have it planned out. It's well planned out. You had your, your initial character that you then brought into... Your initial characters that you then brought into a collaboration. That you then had other subcategories of those characters go out. And you're developing the universe as it goes. And you're inviting the... the audience into that universe as you move along which was the reason why they acquired spider-man in the first place it's like we need we need this youthful entity into the mcu that's going to connect with tony stark and we don't have anything else that kind of works with that but they're planning it out step by step even their structure for disney plus i saw the mandarin's going to get released on that 
everything. I mean, everything is getting released on that. Yeah. But there's still there's still a structure and a plan. WB doesn't feel as though they have a plan to what they're doing. They're just throwing things into the mix, and that never that never works. It's like first we're we're gonna introduce you to all the characters, and then we're gonna give you a backstory, and then we're gonna have this Joker movie, and then we're gonna. You see what I'm saying? So if you're gonna if you're gonna play catch up, play catch up. Think about it this way. In phase four, yes, you do have. In phase four of, of the MCU, you do have Black Widow backstory and more Black Panther and right. You have more Doctor those, Strange. Right. You have more Doctor Strange. You have you, you have Blade. You have the Eternals. You have a bunch of these movies that are coming out, and it's all in the backbone of what they've done before. What I would have done in WB's situation is that would have been I would have been slower to it. Because at some point, the MCU is going to exhaust itself. And when that part of the market drops and you have this fresh new thing that could work, depending on who you have working on it, you then fill the void in which people were, were missing out. But the MCU is going to rule for probably the next 10 to 15 years without fail. Hmm. Talking about winning yeah. and losing... Brings us into our... Uh... Our segment, uh, the winners and losers of, of the, the summer. summer. So in life, guys, we all have to take stock of what we've done. And this is, this is the time where, for example, if you're in a job, the first six months of the job, I would advise that you take stock of what you've done for the past six months. Are you progressing in that job? Are you on a verge for a raise? Are you, what, is, what does your work look like from the point A to point B? Similarly, Tyler and I have done a little review. We have Dif different categories of different things. How did the movies individually and the studios collectively win and lose domestically just for the summer? Yeah, we're only looking at domestic box office That's numbers. Correct. Start of summer to end of summer. Let's start with our winners. Let's start. Let's start. D Disney was the big winner, and it's. Overwhelming. Well, it's and it's very hard to argue with that. Mm -hmm. They've already made. I mean, I just said that we were only going to talk about summer, but overall, Disney has already made two point seven billion dollars this year alone. The fastest studio to do so. They own four of the top five box office films of the year, with number five being Spider-Man: Far From Home and number six being Aladdin. Just to give you an overall idea. Now jumping into the summer, Avengers Endgame, highest grossing film of all time with an asterisk depending on how where you fall on that side of the argument with adjusted for inflation numbers. 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, open to 357 million, grossed 858.2 million dollars. What, what else is there more to say? Then you have Aladdin which opened under 100 million to 91.5, then ended up grossing 353 million, despite its 57% on Rotten Tomatoes. Toy Story 4, the long gestating and animated sequel, opened to 120, basically 121 million, highest for that franchise, grossed 426 million, also the highest for that franchise. Top it off with The Lion King, which despite 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, opened to 191 million. And is 
still grossing money, but right now at 511 million, passing Beauty and the Beast from two years ago. And climbing. So Disney <laughs> resounding when it comes to the big six or overall, overall winners in the domestic box office releases, overall Disney's won. Disney's at, Disney owns 31 or 32% of the market share. They are it's, the yeah. They are they are the resounding overall winners of summer of life. Just accept it. I, I know I mean we could even throw in their all their announcements about Disney Plus and how they're offering a super competitive price for not only Disney Plus but Hulu and ESPN and then they just announced something where if you buy two years of Disney Plus you get year three free. That's ridiculous. They're just overall winners. I want to move to the middle of the pack now in, in that overall segment. So so Disney overall winners on, on everyone. When we look at our studios, for those who don't know, traditionally, Hollywood has had the big six. Well, the big six are the six biggest distributors in the country. They control everything. And that... Is that encompasses Disney, Sony, Universal, Paramount, Warner Brothers, and formerly known as Fox. <laughs> well, they're, they're still Fox. They're just under the Disney banner. But I, I like to play. <laughs> the air quotes are out again. There you go. Air quotes all over Fox. <laughs> now, after that, you did have, or you do have some of your mid-level studios and one of the mid-level studios that we identified as a clear-cut winner for the summer was Lionsgate. Now, Lionsgate has been around for a moon's age. Yeah. And they acquired Summit some time ago and have become and they're coming they're becoming bigger. And I think that honestly, this might be the last year that they're actually considered a mid-level studio. They're moving into that, which I think that's what they want. They're moving into that big six conversation, right? Yeah, when 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 you look at their overall, you know they they had the Hunger Games, uh, with Summit they had the Twilight movies. Regardless mm-hmm. of how you feel about those, they mm-hmm. still made a ton of money. Correct. Uh, they had, they they were the studio that put out La La Land. Mm-hmm. You know, like they they occasionally get those award movies in there. Yeah, I I think that they've been on the cusp of kind of breaking in, to, to the big six. It's amazing. It's amazing that you said that because yeah, they don't have. I mean, their original properties are one of their biggest winners this year was John Wick Chapter Three or the John Wick franchise. So John Wick Chapter Three opened up to twenty six million, grossing over one hundred and seventy million. Fifty six. One hundred. That they fifty six million. Fifty six million, grossing over one hundred and seventy million domestically with a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which as we'll get into later, that I mean. The the movies, that's a win in general, but that franchise has been... Has been winning consistently. Uh, Uh, They also had Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, overperformed, open to about 21 million, still currently grossing. It's about over 50. Still great. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, despite the 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, which was a step up from what London Has Fallen is at, uh, it only grossed 0.3 million less, open to 21 million when box office uh, projections were quite low. 
And uh, yeah, I think that it was it was one of those movies came out of nowhere mm-hmm. and is performing. Yeah, heavily performing. So Lionsgate, congratulations on your summer win. You're a winner this summer with these three titles. The only whiff that you had was Anna. They also had uh, Long Shot with Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron, which did well. Maybe underperformed a li- little bit given the, the star quality of those two, but it, I, I still think it's a win. That's 80% success. Yeah. In the box office, at least. So in the mid-tier, in the mid-level tier, Lionsgate is the undisputed winner of the middle of the pack. We're going to go down to the third tier now. Continuing the, to dominate the indie world is A24. A24. Your favorite studio. I love A24. Love A24. They have some of my favorite movies. Even though, you know, I, I would say that right now, but it's only because I've gotten a lot busier. I've not been watching that many titles that have been coming out. I think that this year is probably my all-time lowest movie-watching experience. I've, I've seen, like, four films for the year. To, to put that in context, <laughs> I have seen 114. Jesus. <laughs> oh, my... <laughs> so anyway res- uh, back- res- resounding difference <laughs> between Tyler and my viewership I'm definitely falling off the, the I'm falling off the boat there's no, there's no longer a wagon I'm falling off the boat when, when it comes to you're uh, drowning I'm drowning right now when it comes to my viewership but I need to get better on that uh, just got uh, you know, I got I got so many things. You know, the podcast is keeping me busy. I work at the other place. That's I'm just hearing. Me busy. I'm just hearing excuses. He's, he's just let's hearing let's get back to celebrating the success of A24 and the farewell. <laughs> Greg has um, lost in, in, yeah. for this summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greg is a uh, Greg, Greg is, is the loser Greg of the summer. Loser of this summer. The farewell tells the story of a young girl who has to go back to China to be with her grandmother as she has been diagnosed with cancer. Only the family is keeping that as a secret from her. Uh, it's a wonderful story, a lot funnier and more uplifting than that description kind of lets on. Mm-hmm. But as you can see, it's it, it opened to 355k. So far, it's grossed about 14.5 million. It's still expanding. It's still doing really, really well. 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it's got a very good chance of being an awards contender down the line. A24 just continues to pick pick up fantastic movies from festivals. And they are the go-to platform for indie releases. They have been for a long time. They also had Midsummer, and uh, another fantastic indie movie called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I, th- I think that they're, they're, they're tops of their tier. Most definitely. And you know what was the, the thing that I enjoyed the most? The Farewell had me from the trailer. Yeah. And, and from the trailer, it just got so much better when watching the movie. Just so much better. It, it, it's insane how, especially in this, in this time where studios just sell, 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 and they would put whatever it takes to get you into the theater on screen for you to consume. And I'm still very upset with Warner Brothers and Aquaman. I'm pissed off with Warner Brothers right now because that Aquaman trailer was the bomb. And then the movie for me was trash. I didn't like it. I don't like it at all. We're, we're talking about this here, Greg. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm still holding a grudge on that. I, I'm also sad that Aquaman is a movie you have seen and you've missed 
a lot of fantastic I, I, movies I this year. I missed a lot of fantastic movies this year. But Aquaman was last year, like you Shame said. Shame on you. Like you said, it was last year. Shame. Shame. It was last year. I saw it last year. Uh, so we would be remiss if we didn't talk about two other winners of the summer. Mm-hmm. Back to the, the, the big six. Universal, who did not start the uh, summer off very well, really closed it out well with yesterday, Hobbs and Shaw and Good Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with Good Boys showing that studio comedies are back and can be really funny and can make money. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we see a lot more of those in the future. They definitely missed on three films, though, which was uh, Secret Life of Pets 2, Ma, which did not do well, was not critically acclaimed. It did 54% on Rotten Tomatoes, 18.1 million in the opening gross on box office and 45 total gross and a dog's journey leave the dogs alone uh, the poor dogs didn't didn't ask for this they want to be part of this um but all in all when it comes to the big six they grossed overall 170 million on their opening box office for the entire summer off of the six releases this year there are 500 studio for me they're, they're definitely there in the winners column so good job to Universal. Only for closing out the summer strong. They close out the, they close out the summer really strong, really strong, uh, with uh, with Good Boys and Fate and Hobbs and Shaw. I don't like the fact that they put Fast and Furious on the on the top of that on the top of that title. Just call it Hobbs and Shaw. Hmm. Why don't you just call it Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah, that's that, that's for another time. That is for another time. <laughs> cool. We also want to talk about uh, some of the big wins individually. Uh, when it comes to, as a matter of fact, for an entire for I wanna I wanna give a big shout out for the entire industry that diversity won this year, in in the front and behind the camera. It's a very big step in the right direction when you look at movies like Booksmart, which has features two female leads, a female director, four female writers, and a LGBTQ storyline subplot. And hit 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Late Night, written and directed by a woman of color. Mm-hmm. And starring a non-white female lead. Blinded by the Light, about a Pakistani family who falls in love with... Well, one of the members falls in love with uh, Bruce Springsteen. Then you have Dora, representing for the, uh, the Latino community. And then the previously mentioned Farewell... Chinese family set in China, non-white female lead, uh, female writer-director, also allowing the characters that there, there is English spoken in the movie, but it's a lot of it is in Chinese, allowing that culture to kind of take precedence and really be a big part of the movie, I, th- I think is a big step in the right direction. I, I think that helped the emotional connection to the movie and honestly that's a strong win for you guys the audience thanks for coming out and watching these films to in the first place for it to become relevant that these are the stories of our generation these are the stories that we want to see so diversity in the front and in the back of the camera big kudos to those guys who are the putting these these types of stories out that are more relatable to more than just one demographic and the, the majority of these are original stories, uh, with the exception of Dora, which is based off the long-running TV program. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think if these movies continue to have a voice, and while the success of some of these uh, 
varies. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're getting made and people are financing them is a big step in the right direction. There you go. So we uh, we now come to our middle section, uh, which I call the jury is still out. All right. And I'll explain why. We are going to focus a lot on this section on sequels. Originally, when when we were looking at the data, I had I at least had sequels in the loser column until I started to find a lot of exceptions because I was like oh yeah John Wick oh yeah Endgame oh yeah Toy Story 4 and then I was like oh no wait they're they're more equal in terms of where they ended up falling on the spectrum of good or bad although I would say just like in life there are always winners and losers there's we all can't be winners don't even try to believe that we're not all winners or we're winners in different sections we're winners in different things so when it comes to sequels specifically they're winners in that situation, and they're losers in that situation. I'm going to look at the financials because I am the data guy. That's, that's what I do. That's what, that's, that's what I'm about. You have no I, idea, people. <laughs> he said that we, we argue a little bit before we start recording. That's not him joking. I, we, we had a very intense back and forth about some of this. It was heated. <laughs> it was heated. Because, you know, as, as you might know, Money isn't everything. But when you talk about the movie business, the business side of things is, is where I seem to focus a little bit more on because I'm, I kind of see myself in a situation as if I'm to release this movie, if I'm to be... I see myself in the, in the studio aspect of things. Yes, I have, a, I have creative bones in my body. I've, I've acted before. I've been on set before as a crew. Uh, I have, uh, I was a songwriter, I was a singer, that sort of stuff. But business seems to just give me that extra little tingle because I didn't have that before. And it was something that I had to learn and I had to grow in. So it excites me to see numbers. Numbers speaks volumes to me. And not only seeing the numbers, but also reading the story off of those numbers. So our first sequel win for this summer. We're only talking this summer, guys. I want to be very clear about that. It's just for the summer. What's our first sequel winner for the summer, Tyler? Endgame. Of course. Of course. If we look at the progression, and this is where we gauge to that, the first Avengers made $207 million opening gross. I'm just looking at the opening gross, not the full domestic outlook on it. But opening gross, $207 million. The Avengers Age of Ultron dipped a little bit. But going into Infinity War went to 257 million. And then Endgame started the summer with 357 million, which is a 27 or 25% increase from the year before. Isn't that insane? Sequels usually do worse. Traditionally, sequels do worse. To be fair, they they were building up to this one. So this one was always, I feel like, going to do well. Didn't think it was gonna do that well. No, not not that not by that amount. Not by a clear hundred million dollars. Not only was it cleared by a hundred million dollars, but you you know you might say that yeah this was expected because this was a build up and and there was a plan which I was talking about before. You got to have a plan. My expectation of this film was not to do a hundred million dollars more 
an Infinity War a year after Infinity War was released. Because in this situation, as a businessman, I'm looking at the fatigue of my audience. I'm looking at with the Russo brothers, again, they, they had a plan, but as human beings, we, we have flaws, and this could have been one of those where it was rushed. For me, the Harry Potter uh, sequel back uh, from, was it seven it, and eight? It, it, the the it, last two. Definitely how that was part one and two. Felt rushed to me. Hunger Games felt rushed to me. This did not feel rushed. This felt very calm, Calculated. Very calculated. Very, very calculated. Even the Twilight series felt rushed at the end. This felt so calculated that you were there was a certain level of satisfaction coming out of the movie theater here. And the numbers prove it. So our next uh, winner staying with Disney in the sequel realm was Toy Story 4. First one opened to 29 million. Second one opened to 57. That's a jump. Third one opened to 110. My word. And this one opened to 120. Uh, the story's there. I don't know what else to... <laughs> How do you expand on something like that? And then uh, our third winner, Mr. Wick. Which I'm super excited about. So John Wick, the first... I, I remember being at the premiere for that, which was an amazing experience meeting Keanu Reeves in person. Didn't expect it to blow up this big. This, oh, no. This is an instant cult classic. So back in 2014, John Wick opened to 14 million dollars john wick chapter 2 released three years later at 30 million dollars double easily easily and i would be skeptical on john wick chapter 3 i was expecting this movie to do eh, roughly around 35 40 made 56 million dollars on its opening weekend total domestic gross thus far i think it's off screen right now yeah it's off right total domestic gross is 170 million and 90 percent on rotten tomatoes which is higher than the last two this has not stopped and they're coming out with a part four yep i'm the i'm the skeptic in in this situation i'm, I'm waiting to see where's the drop off it doesn't seem like it's anywhere in sight people are the the, the fans are enjoying this movie so to draw a comparison with toy story there were inconsistencies in the Rotten Tomato scores, right? The, even with the domestic grosses, there are discrepancies in those, right? Did you, did you make it? <laughs> There's discrepancies in those. Uh, even Avengers, as big as Avengers was, the first Avengers was 92% Rotten Tomatoes. Age of Ultron, 75. Infinity War, 85. Endgame, 94. It's, so there were discrepancies all the way through. John Wick just seems to just keep on getting better. On all fronts. Total domestic gross, opening gross, Rotten Tomato score. It just keeps on getting better. And Keanu Reeves keeps on looking great on screen yeah. with his dog no, sidekick. No, no stopping him. No stopping him. So, we have some not-so-good sequels, which is more of where we run along when it comes to sequel films. And this next example is really the only one that I think could end up jumping up to the next tier depending on how it finishes up since it is still in theaters it hasn't even finished its first week true uh so you know grain of salt with this one until we see where the final numbers turn up 
But in terms of what Greg was talking about, year-over-year progression, the fallen trilogy of Olympus, London, and Angel. (laughs) So Olympus opened to 30, London opened to 21, and Angel is also open to 21. Just, again more the longevity of it than than anything that that remains to tbd so it it could join the sequels up in the next tier or if it just nosedives after this then we'll we'll know for sure it's a 500 franchise it's a five it's a 500 franchise now you're probably asking me what 500 means that's more of a sports term that's that means 50 50 <laughs> 500 50 percent right it's a 500 franchise where Olympus has fallen, had the hype behind it, came out 2013, has the highest Rotten Tomato score on it. It was the it was the best out of all the out of all the films, which is usually how it goes when you have a film like this. I remember that Kick Ass was kinda like that. The sequels mm-hmm. just just wasn't as good as the first one. The first one had low box office opener, but longevity was great. With the Fallen series London Has Fallen was, was obviously a flop. Did 26% on Rotten Tomatoes, 21 million on its opening, and 62 total domestic run. I think the only reason why I'm agreeing with Tyler on this, because I did not before we started the podcast, was that progression-wise, it's only 0.3 million away from London Has Fallen. The, like, the audience is still there despite... A terrible second movie. Correct, and the fact that that Tyler also said that this this series should have been dead. This this should have been a, a X through it. It's a sequel. I thought nobody wanted, but apparently they did. Yeah. So moving on, we we had a third. Speaking of threequels, we had a third sequel to the Annabelle franchise. Mm. First Annabelle opened to thirty-seven million. Second one opened to thirty-five. This one only opened up to twenty. Mm. It was kind of hot on the heels of another Conjuring franchise movie, uh, Curse of La Llorona. This one did come close more to the uh, final domestic total of the first Annabelle. Uh, the best one being the second one, Annabelle Creation, which did break the hundred million dollar mark total. Mm-hmm. This one I'm on the fence about, especially when you look at probably what the budget was compared to what it ended up grossing. But I, I think right now, considering how well the second one performed, it's definitely a drop drop down. Yeah, definitely a drop down. And then we're we're just gonna we're gonna gloss over these losses. Let me. <laughs> Angry Birds. Oh boy. <laughs> that was a loss. The first Angry Birds opened up to 30, 38. Angry Birds two, ten million. My goodness, what a whiff! Shouldn't have been made. I honestly believe that this film shouldn't have been made. Now, when it comes to Godzilla, uh, I just wanted to make clear that there there are multiple Godzilla movies, but this is all from the same stream. So Godzilla 2014 did 93 million. Kong Skull Island did 61. 61. And Godzilla King of the Monsters did 47. 47 what was the budget on that? 170. One? 170 million dollars on the budget. Total domestic gross for for King of the Monsters is 110 million. That's a whiff. That's a big whiff. And for those that don't know, the reason that even though Godzilla is not in the title, the reason Kong Skull Island is there is because the next movie is Godzilla versus Kong. Mm-hmm. So those two movies are colliding. Movie honestly, the movie's done. They filmed it. Yeah. 
if they'd waited till after this Godzilla had come out, it probably wouldn't have happened. <laughs> it probably, it probably but it, it was already done and it's getting released. That'll probably be the end of it. Probably. I do think that the combination of the two will open up higher than what King of the Monsters did, just maybe by a little bit, but that remains to be seen. Uh, Secret Life of Pets also got a sequel, a lot of sequels yeah. this summer. First one opened to 104 million, this one opened to 46. Yeah. Again, another movie that I think was more of a cash grab than anything else. Now, now you know, even though we, we like to argue that, that Lion King was a cash grab, a lot of what Disney does is cash grabs, but they do it the right way because they still get into the pockets of people and people go on and enjoy them. Uh, Secret Life of Pets was more of, of this like... Well, um, the first one made money. Let's do another let's one. Let's do it, yeah. <laughs> with, with, no, with no real longevity or plan. You have to be able to plan, which is similar to the next one on this list, A Dog's Journey. Now, they released A Dog's Purpose in 2017 and it made... 18.2 million 64 total domestic box office uh, the only good thing about a dog's sorry a dog's purpose opened up to, to 18 million uh, 64 million to, total domestic box office a dog's journey opened up to 8 million with 22 million domestic box office leave the dogs alone I, I, I understand they're cute on screen but now you're using you're using the poor puppies to, to, to try and pull as much cash into the pockets of the studios as possible. Leave the dogs alone. They and didn't ask for this. They didn't want this. I, I would also add, let's leave the sharks alone too. Uh, 47 <laughs> meters down, open to 11.4 million for 44 total. 47 meters down, uncaged, open to 8.4 only made 15 so far. It's still in theaters, but I don't see it climbing up to much more than that. No. Nobody wanted a sequel to this. This this was this was not a sequel movie. This was not a sequel movie. What what was the one with uh with Wait, Lively? Uh Shallows. That's a that leave it like that. Let it let it be done. It's done. It's done. There's no more. It was it was that one was good. I I love the Blake Lively one. That one was great. You haven't seen it. No, and I will not. That was fan. We have to sit down and watch a shark movie and record your reaction. No, Please. we do not. Please. No. Let it happen. No. If 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 anybody wants to, to see Tyler's reaction, don't, don't put this on them. To a shark movie, please comment on our Instagram page nope. at For Real Podcast. Please, I want to see. It. I'm gonna post this video, the video portion of this on instagram and i want everyone to comment live video back let us know you i know you want to see tyler's reactions too just so you know i did not agree to any of this <laughs> so your votes do not matter <laughs> i'll make it happen so um, our final sequel final sequel we have men in black international enough said there's there's <laughs> nothing more that you can say to this no will smith Despite the winning combo of Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, yeah, there's it only opened to thirty million. All the others opened to fifty, made it over a hundred. In some cases, two hundred million. This one didn't even break a hundred million. And this, Leave it alone. This is the thing. Men in Black one, two, and three all had a slight progression at fifty-one, fifty-two, and fifty-four million, respectively, going up. The domestic, the domestic gross was where they should have realized 
where the first man in black made 250 the second one did 190 and the third did 179 international was a complete whiff complete whiff shame on you sony shame on you <laughs> sony not we'll, including we'll, we'll, we'll get to you later not including will smith <laughs> in this movie are you crazy are you crazy so we do have one more category when it comes to uh, sequels. We have Undecided. Just because is Hobbs and Shaw an actual sequel? It is a spinoff, mm. but it's, it is part of the Fast and Furious franchise. As the title pre- indicates, because it's Fast and Furious yeah. presents Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. It's, I always have to say the full title because I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> That's just me. That being said, did open to $60 million. At 148, maybe closer to 150 currently, that puts it about middle of the pack of the Furious movies, of the Furious franchise. It's not as bleak as Tyrese is making it out to be. I don't know why he just can't let it go. He's bitter. He didn't get his check in The his... movie's not a rousing success like the last ones have been, but it not... also has not been a failure. No. I, I, think, I think that for the... For what it's worth, it's the Tokyo Drift of the modern Fast and Furious franchise. And, as Tyler pointed out to me, because I, I called Tokyo Drift a whiff when it came to the Fast and Furious progression, but it was very pivotal to what came next. So you might see Tokyo Drift that came out that opened at 23 million, almost 24, but then Fast and because of the connection between that and the the next couple of movies, Fast and Furious in two thousand and nine did seventy million. Fast Five did eighty six. Well, let, let, let's just say Hobbs and Shaw would not exist without where they ended up finding the connection between Tokyo Drift and the next movies. Correct. Hobbs and Shaw would not be part of the franchise without it. Correct. Enough said. The movie forced Universal to go back, retool the franchise, and make it what it is today. Which, yeah. which makes, makes Universal some of the smartest people I know. Which I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know Universal at all. Not on a and personal level. Finally, I said that we were going to get back to Sony. I kind of have Sony undecided, and I'll tell you why. Since we're off sequels now, now we're before we get into the losers. Also, thank you for being very patient with us through all this. We're throwing a lot of numbers out. But I'm having fun. I'm having fun too. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm sure that some some guys out there are having fun too. So Give before we numbers. before we get into the true lo- our true losers of the summer, mm-hmm. we have to talk about Sony because outside of a couple films, they lost the summer. They did. And those couple films are? The two films that they have are Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is Tarantino. You can't lose with Tarantino. And then Spider-Man Far From Home, which made $92 million on its opening box office and 379 on its total box office gross. This is my argument. This is why I don't, in my mind, I don't have them as, a winning, as winning the summer at all. The whole reason why, why they're in... Let's look at the studio category. Studio Big Six. Studio Big Six category. Sony has one property that they bought a long time ago. No one was investing in it. Then they were smart. They formerly had the highest grossing movie of all time in 
highest box office, highest opening box office of all time in the first Spider-Man. Used to. Past tense. You're you're your best at bat. Spider-Man was was a dying franchise before the MCU came and interjected life back into this character. And now that it's dominating as part of them, but it but it's the engine, so it's the shell of I love Toyotas, but it's the shell of a Toyota Corolla with with the engine and the interior of a Ferrari right now with the MCU with when the MCU used to push it. Right? So it's not Sony. Sony's not the reason for why this is is going. And then Tarantino is just a short. You know what? I'll give him the Tarantino one. I'll give it to him. They, they were smart to partner it, with him. It, it, it's a smart move. For that, that's a smart move. Everything else is a whiff. If you look at their at their six releases for the summer, they only have one real win. That's eighty percent. Well, no. Let me take Spider Man out of it completely, right? So five releases from Sony, or even if you include Spider Man. Out of their six releases, they have two that were wins. And only one of those two was a true win. Everything else was a dumpster fire. Yeah. Everything else was just trash. So I consider Sony as one of the losers of this summer, even though total opening box office, they did $190 million. But when it comes to the numbers, when it comes to the numbers, Sony, Sony did second best to Disney. Universal was third with 170 million. But it wasn't their it's, their original their original properties failed. It's not your book. Their success came from Tarantino and their Marvel collaboration. Correct. It's, it's not their it's not their it's not their book. So if you're not putting it up, if you're not if that's not yours, then how could you claim it? So uh let's let's kick it into our uh, our couple losers. Let's start with your favorite punching bag Paramount. <laughs> Now this is the thing. I don't hate Paramount. I actually love Paramount. I, you know the a lot of people they 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 ruined a couple things for me. This is true, but I like Paramount as a studio. But I don't see the adaptation or the flexibility in the studio where they're making the right decisions. This summer is proof of that. They only had three releases. Mm-hmm. None of them grossed over a hundred million, despite the critical success of Rocket Man. It didn't capture the audience the same way Bohemian Rhapsody did. Did not. Which is a shame. It's much better than Bohemian Rhapsody, but that's neither here nor there. Right. They did have a minor success in Crawl. Mm-hmm. 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, 12 million opening, made close to 40 million. Off an alligator movie. Off, a, off an alligator movie that everyone was thinking was going to be a dumpster fire. I, mm-hmm. I thought that it was going to gross about 8 million. Probably in the next year or two, we will be talking about a sequel to this. Probably. Probably tank like forty-seven meters <sighs> down, and then uh, Dora for for everything good that it championed didn't really connect with the box office. It did not. But on on the plus side, all of their releases for the summer did over eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, all of their box office openers have met or will surpass their budget total box office, uh, or, or double their budget in yeah. the total box office. So did they lose this summer? Absolutely. Especially being the big six. But it's it's more visibility than anything. Correct. They they were very quiet. They were they were they were the the most quiet studio 
out of and again this is the only reason why i put paramount in this situation is because if they were a lion's gate they would have they still wouldn't have won overall in that category but they would have been in the top two top three yeah. right with the three releases that they had this year but this is paramount that we're talking about this is this, these are the owners of properties like the terminator and the the bad boys franchise which i absolutely adore this this is also the the property they also own properties like transformers they're, which needs to go away it, it, although bumblebee was quite good right so so but the the fact of the matter is that they have properties that could gross over they made 80 million for this for the summer 80 million just on openers not just total. just on openers i need to clar- to clarify that they made 80 million on on the three openers that they had that's their total for the summer but to give them credit, they do have a Dark Horse Best Actor candidate in Taron Egerton for Rocket Man. There you go. Uh, so they could find a way to claw back into it. So, so I, I, I would accept this if, if Paramount were to accept the fact that they're no longer a top-tier theater, a top-tier studio. That, that's the only reason, that's the only way that I will accept them into somewhat of a winner's circle because their properties did not do all that bad in retrospect to what they released. However they are held to a higher standard. And that's that's my only point when it comes to them being in the loser's circle, which goes to our next point with Warner Brothers, even though they did $140 million on their openers for the summer, they had five releases. They had, they had seven. Did Pikachu and Annabelle oh, as well? Correct. They had seven releases. Um, which Pikachu and Annabelle, I, I would count those in the plus column for the studio, mm-hmm. despite what we just kind of said about Annabelle in terms of sequels may have been lower. Mm-hmm. For the studio, it was a success. Correct. Uh, same with Detective Pikachu. Mm-hmm. The big one here outside of Shaft, which we have talked about a lot, Correct. is Godzilla. That should have been a monster or the king of monsters. the monsters mm-hmm. as, as the title uh indicates but it just it didn't meet it and i i personally had a lot of fun with the movie Uh, i was kind of bummed that it didn't do as well Mm -hmm. but yeah just looking at their other titles and again as much as i also like blinded by the light the critical reviews weren't enough to push it it's only it hasn't even broken double digits no for its total run the kitchen sun is also a star all of these properties just fell flat on their face, and it's it's a shame because they're they're the opposite of Paramount. They had th- were throwing movies out left and right. None of them really stuck. No, especially when you had they threw out four big properties at the world. Two of them hit, two of them missed, and then they had some of their small. With films. the biggest one missing. Correct. The and and the reason why we say that the biggest one was missing, that the biggest one missed with Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which is. Not not really a king in this situation. They budgeted one hundred and seventy million dollars on on this property, and domestically overall gross because it's not in theaters anymore. It just came out on Blu-ray yesterday, right? Which yes, I did buy a copy. <laughs> I bought a copy of that and Rocket Man. <laughs> we got a true supporter over here, but they budgeted one hundred seventy million and only gross one hundred ten. I mean that that that's a whiff without, without without even really yeah. going into it, 
and and then the the real stinker, the the one in fifteen team, when it comes to our studios, they might even be the zero and sixteen Browns. <laughs> it might be the zero and sixteen Browns have not won for a long time, and and got got gobbled up by another bigger, by another bigger studio. By not just a bigger, the the, the, the biggest, the biggest is studio. poor Fox. I know, and industry's punching bag right now. Yeah, they they couldn't buy a win even if they wanted to. Outside of their abysmal summer, Disney is canceling projects from them left and right. Oh my! That are now going to other studios. That are going else. You know, like the the filmmakers are splitting. They're just dropping or not releasing properties, slicing and dicing. It's it's a mess over there. And this this is the real stinker for Fox. The Dark Phoenix movie opened to thirty two million, grossed 65 million. Had a twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and their budget was over three hundred million. Mostly in part due to reshoots, but it's still it's still yeah. part of your budget though. Like yeah. you spent the money. The money's been spent. That's like you going to rent an apartment for four thousand dollars, and you only make eight hundred dollars a month. That's a big whiff. That's a big whiff on Fox's part, and and you know it's just it just goes into the dysfunction and the confusion that was going on over there, and things are still bad. Those are our stinkers for the summer. So, uh, at least for the the major for studios, the, we we do have a couple other losing storylines. The first one that Greg kind of talked about with the the chaotic nature of things, release patterns. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of movies that went wide that probably shouldn't have, and then there were other movies that kind of saw that, shifted their release pattern, and it still didn't help them out. Mm -hmm. Talking about movies like Booksmart, which did release wide, probably should have been a platform release. Late Night saw that, Mm -hmm. switched to platform, and then when they expanded, didn't really work out. Where'd You Go Bernadette, which was delayed for a long time, directed by indie auteur Richard Linklater. Fantastic cast, Kate Blanchett, Billy Crudup. Released wide, didn't really connect. I feel like a lot of these studios are kind of floundering, figuring out what to do. As much as we talked about diversity in these original properties being made, studios, once they make them, don't know what to do with them. No. It's kind of a bummer. I think that's why we celebrated A24 so much is because within a space that they're kind of like the the Disney of the indie world, if that makes sense. And the, the reason why they're winning is because there's a plan, there's a structure, there's something that they're going for. There's something that, that identifies with the brand and they push those things out. I think with these films, again, there's there was no plan. There, there, there was, and whenever you go into life without a plan, even if the plan goes awry, at least you have a plan, you have a structure, you have something set up. Without, without a structure or something set up, you're, you, what's going to happen? This, dumpster fires all over Hollywood. <laughs> uh, another one, Amazon. Oof. Um, for those of you that don't know, they acquired Late Night out of the festival circuit for $13 million. They also acquired a movie that has now gone limited that will go wide. Britney runs a marathon for 14 million. Late night only grossed 15.5 million total. In its limited release, Britney runs a marathon, grossed 180K. Remains to be seen how it'll do once it expands out. So the pen is in that one for a moment. Mm. I mean, I can see it kind of 
falling flat on its face like Late Night, which is unfortunate because Late Night is very good. Yeah. But it just, you know, it's it makes me wonder, like, $13 million for a movie. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. $13 million to buy a movie, and then that's fine because it worked out for the big sick. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out for these because the studio, once they had them, didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. Which is a shame. Our final loss is the Disney-Sony feud over Spider-Man. And it's honestly, just... I think that this, this loss is more for the fans than anything yeah. else. And it's, it's a shame that, that some sort of deal couldn't have been reconciled. Like we talked about before, it's the biggest loss is for the fans because you've developed this relationship with this character and now for absolutely no reason we're not going to know what happened to him. Now I'm sure that Kevin Feige and those guys could develop some sort of story around why we no longer have Peter Parker and New York City <laughs> in total and why Happy and Aunt May are not going to be go- This is a big loss for Happy, bro. He just got a girl. Yeah, but Happy just propelled Lion King to make $511 million. Yeah, but that's, I think he's fine. I, I, I mean, Happy's not fine. Favreau's great. Yeah, Favreau is <laughs> wonderful. Favreau is fantastic. <laughs> Happy's not fine. He just found Aunt May. He just found Aunt May. So, uh, yeah, well, while the, the like we, we've been saying, while the fallout from that ultimately remains... To be seen, what the what's going to happen in the end, it's just a shame that it just that it happened. Yeah, and it collapsed so quickly. This this was this was almost the the Andrew Luck news in yeah. in the movie world. The the sudden retirement. Of yeah. Andrew Luck. It was disappointing, and I think it, it hurts more for the fans than anything else. But like Tom Holland said, he loves you three thousand. So feel for that kid too. Before we uh, jump into our last segment, uh, I have some sad news. Unfortunately, we will not be able to record next week. No. Uh, so there will be a week no. break in episodes. Uh, schedules just, just did not line up yeah. to record next week. So we are skipping the future reel for this current week, which doesn't really see any big openers. I really don't want to try to predict Don't Let Go. No. Uh, so we are jumping forward to next week. To where Warner Brothers can really rebound from their summer with It Chapter 2. And kick off the holiday season with their... Monster. Their, their monster. I, the, I don't even know what It... I can't remember what It 1 made at the moment, but... It, it opened to 123. Which, which was way beyond expectation. Yes. I, re- I remember... I remember that because the expectation was that it was going to do eighty million, and and it blew it blew it out the water. The the the, the demand for it was was insane. And so uh, so it, it it chapter two pro box office cared enough <laughs> to to do a range again. <laughs> pro box office, you cheating? Pro box office did a range again with between a hundred million and a hundred and forty million. No. I'm not going to be petty like last week. <laughs> My prediction is, like it chapter one, I think it's actually going to exceed expectations. I have it at 145 million. Greg, Greg has it low. 
I have it low. I, I don't know why I have it so low. Honestly, it's not smart to think that it's gonna do the it's not gonna do more than 145. But something something in my gut is telling me that this movie's gonna do between 130 and 135. So I stuck with my choice at 130, even though everything else all the data is pointing to a higher gross. It might even do 160, guys. Yeah, it's it's the it's, sky's the limit. It's uncommon, but the reason I'll give you my my reason why I'm going lower. September is usually a weak month, but we've seen movies break through that before. School's out, people are getting back to school. People just pay money on their last steak to go barbecue on the beach. They they you know a lot of things are. They just came back from summer vacation. The money's spent. I don't really see a lot going into into next week when it comes to it chapter two release. But I could be wrong. They, they thought that last time, and, and that was the thing. They thought and, that. But but my point is, is 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 how much how much money is out there. But this is my counterpoint to all of that. Throw the it. last movie did that with zero name actors. This has Jessica Chastain. This has James McAvoy. This has Red Hot Bill Hader, who, according to test screening, steals the movie and potentially is good enough to be an awards consideration. Wow. Not all are saying that, but I have heard that as a rumbling that, depending on how things go, he could be in contention. Hmm. Which wouldn't surprise me because he's taken the TV world by storm. True. So Greg has changed his no. I haven't changed a thing. <laughs> I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick to my 130, even though, like I said before, everything else is pointing to somewhere closer to 160, yeah. 165. So you heard it here first. Greg said 160, 160. No. Um, wow, <laughs> this is different than last week. No, 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 no. I stuck. I stuck my number in at the beginning. I'm gonna do more research next time. Make sure I beat Tyler on this hitting with four well, for the for the next for the next podcast. I, I'll, I'll, I'll show them up. But that's our podcast. That's our show. Thank you for uh, sticking with it through the summer. Thank you for going to see movies. Continue to support, at least for me, continue to support those uh, inclusive movies, those indie movies. To support film in general. Yeah, just right. go see movies. It's, it's a lot of fun. I know that this podcast was a little longer. We did have a lot to cover, so... Thank you for sitting through it. It was our summer finale. Yeah, we went bigger this episode, and yeah. I think uh, I think it was good. We did Greg's favorite thing, which was dive into a pile of numbers we like talk. Scrooge McDuck. We talk numbers. <laughs> it, it, I know you can't see it. He has. He's so excited. He's he's doing a little happy dance. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We'll see you here in a few weeks. Also, guys, follow and subscribe on social media we have instagram and facebook that are pushing hard right now please join us on facebook at for real podcast no one just for real podcast we we know that we could be number one in your hearts and we appreciate you guys coming out and supporting us thank you so much and that was for real, for real.